0: There are some things that powerfully call up home, even when we're far away. Certain sounds, certain smells, certain foods. For one family, thousands of miles away from their home, they had to create a place to gather those reminders. A temple. The space to me means, you know, it might
1: look different, the arrangement might be different and all that, but the idea is still the same, which is the place of gathering. A pace of worship.
0: You're listening to Gravy. 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 Stories about the changing American South through the foods we eat. We are a production of the Southern Foodways Alliance, and I'm Tina Antolini, back from break. Welcome to the new season of Gravy. Today we've got a story that shows us one stitch in the increasingly diverse tapestry of the South. In many ways, it's a story that's repeating itself all across this region. A story of people figuring out a way of making a home here. And in other ways, it's very specific to this small city in the mountains of North Carolina. Katie Clune takes us in.
2: It's New Year's. There's a concrete dance floor under a colorful tent. Music drifts up the hill to a row of tables where people gather over full plates. They pass around red cups of beer as smoke rises from grills. Some have smaller red cups too, perfectly sized for a shot of whiskey. But this isn't December 31st, it's the last Saturday in April, and the calls of Happy New Year are coming from a procession of people walking behind a gong. Just in front of them, a truck drives slowly, pulling a trailer of nine girls. They're dressed as princesses, but inside the truck sit three monks wrapped in saffron robes. That's because I'm at Wat Lao Sayapum, a small Buddhist temple tucked into the hilly countryside outside of Morganton, North Carolina. The temple is in a double-wide trailer and a carport off a winding road in the Blue Ridge foothills. We're celebrating Lao New Year, or Pi Mai, According to the Buddhist lunar calendar, the new year comes in April, at the end of a long, hot, dry season. This celebration marks the beginning of the rainy season. In Laos, Pi Mai is a three day festival with people squirting water guns and emptying buckets on each other in the streets. On this Saturday in Morganton, kids have shaving cream, not water guns, which is good because it's still chilly. So, how did I find myself toasting to Mai in the North Carolina mountains? And how did this temple get here in the first place? That's my dad, Daniel Kloon. He's the U.S. ambassador to Laos.
3: And we are excited about getting to know Laos. We want to visit the many beautiful temples, explore the Mekong, see the spectacular mountains, and enjoy your culture and delicious food, not to mention the famous beer lao.
2: My parents moved to Vientiane, Laos's capital, in September 2013, just as I moved to Chapel Hill to begin my master's in folklore at the University of North Carolina. The last time I learned of Laos was in a college art history class, so my dad filled me in on his new post.
3: Laos is a small country in Southeast Asia, about the size of the state of Oregon with six million people bordered by Burma, China, Vietnam, Thailand, and Cambodia.
2: Americans aren't so familiar with Laos, but the history of this Asian country, nearly 9,000 miles away, is intimately tied to our own history.
3: During the Vietnam War, the United States conducted a separate war in Laos, sometimes referred to as the Secret War, which involved a heavy bombing campaign against the Ho Chi Minh Trail and North Vietnamese troops operating on the Plain of Jars. In
2: 1975, the Patet Lao communist forces took over the government of Laos. They embraced policies that isolated the country. They put severe restrictions in place, banning Western dress and private trade. Over the next decade, 10% of Laos' citizens left the country as refugees.
3: Many of the Lao who had fought with the United States fled the country, uh, many across the river to Thailand, and eventually were given refugee status in the United States, Australia, and France.
2: At this point, there are roughly 600,000 Lao Americans living in the U.S.
3: Many of them live in St. Paul, Minnesota, and in the Sacramento, Fresno, and Merced areas of California.
2: But some of those Lao didn't stay in Minnesota and California it turns out southern states are home to some of the fastest-growing populations of Southeast Asian immigrants in the U.S. For many people who initially settled elsewhere, the rural, green, hilly landscapes of states like North Carolina and Arkansas recall the lush mountains of Laos, Cambodia, or Vietnam, and many people are making a second migration to the south.
4: I like it, peace, quiet, and then when you have a young kid, you should raise the kid over here. No crime, no drugs.
2: That's Air C.K. Amala Tirada, who goes by Air. She lives in Morganton now. Air fled Laos when she was just 14 years old, leaving behind her family for a shot at more freedom in another country. She swam across the Mekong River at night. She was trying to make it to Thailand.
4: because At that time, I don't have any money, not even a dollar or penny. But I didn't think about That, when I cross over there, how I'm going to be survived. I never think about that time because, I mean, I'm young. I just follow with the folk, you know, they, everybody say, okay, let's go, let's go, you know. I didn't think about it's going to be the harder life when I crossed to the uh, Mekong River, to Thailand.
2: What she learned when she made it to Thailand was that life as a refugee was very, very hard.
4: I slept on the ground and I don't have even a pillow or blanket, I just lay on the ground.
2: She learned something from the hardship of that time.
4: As long I have a rice, I know I can fix it to make it dinner. I can be survive without meat or whatever. I learned from uh, in Thailand. In Thailand, I have like one egg. We eat like three people.
2: One egg, feeding three people. Air is part of the extended Papai Boon family, who have been my guides to Lao life in the U.S., and will be ours for this story too. I first met Toon Papai Boon, whose younger brother No is married to Air's sister Me. Catch that, it's a big family. When we met, Toon had no idea my dad was ambassador to Laos. It took me by
1: surprise just a little bit and I call everybody I know.
2: Like heir, Toon escaped Laos as a young girl. Her family's story is deeply tied to their country's tumultuous history. In nineteen seventy four, her father La Papai Boon was assassinated in the months leading up to the Pathet Lao Takeover. Toon left on may thirtieth, nineteen eighty and arrived in Los Angeles on January 13, 1981. She says she'll never forget those dates.
1: I was just enrolled in high school, first year in high school. Uh, I didn't know any English. That was the first uh, barrier, if you will, as a newcomer. Yeah, you didn't know any English, though. But I, was, I set it my goal that I was going to learn the language in eight months, and I did.
2: She was the first in her family to leave Laos, and it was lonely.
1: There was letter writing, a lot of letter writing. I remember getting letter every month from my mom. Back then there was no internet, no phone, no. I would go in the bathroom because I always cry. Go in the bathroom, I didn't want anybody to see me cry and I I would rip it open right away and read it really fast and come back and read it again.
2: For six years, Toon was by herself in the U.S. As her family saved enough money, her mother sent her brother and sisters one by one to join Toon. In 1987, Toon's older sister came to the U.S.
1: It was incredible, I remember the first thing she did for me was, that I remember so vividly, was she threw me a 21st birthday party and nobody has has thrown me a party before. She was able to do that for me.
2: After graduating from her Los Angeles public high school, Toon earned a BA and an MA in English, all while steadily helping her two sisters, brother, mom, and stepdad, leave Laos for the U.S. In 1994, Toon's sister DaraPhone, she goes by Dara, got married. And she and her husband were looking for a new place to live. We were in Connecticut, and me and I just driving down, to see
5: where we want to stay. So we passed by so many states, you know, from the up north all the way here. So we were going to go to Florida. We didn't get to go, so we stopped here. So we love everything here. It's a small town, happy. Something about Morganton felt familiar it looked just like my homeland because I can't go back anytime soon you know so I had to find some place where it feel like a homey,
2: you know the young couple found work at a textile plant once Dara's first daughter April was born the rest of the family had a reason to move to North Carolina too
1: that's when we realized that oh wow we can actually watch a family grow together as as a family unit. And April was the seed that actually made that happen.
2: By 2003, all the Papai Boons, Batoons older sister, were reunited in Morganton. After being separated for over two decades, their daily togetherness feels like a triumph over tragedy.
1: We never take a day for granted. Where you're four miles apart, you know you can have lunch or dinner at any and at a drop of a hat. And I think for. For a big country like this, that's kind of rare for for family to be able to do that. Everything we do, we do together, as as a family, as as a unit.
2: But being here together turned out to be just the first step in making this place their home. Small town North Carolina didn't know anything about Laos, so the papaya boons had to figure out how to create a little of their country in the Blue Ridge Mountains. Morganton is a city of just about 17,000 people, roughly an hour from Asheville. The surrounding mountains, like those in Laos, hang heavy and blue on the horizon. As you exit the interstate, fast food and chain restaurants give way to a small, historic downtown. Victorian homes and a cream-colored courthouse tell of an affluent past. Today, there are a few empty storefronts, but with nearby factories, textile companies, and chicken processing plants the local economy is strong. Two miles from the town center, Toon's younger sister, Dara, opened Asian Fusion Kitchen, Morganton's only Lao and Thai restaurant, on Valentine's Day, 2013. She serves papaya salad, pad thai, a crispy rice herb salad with fermented pork called nam, pho, and Lao-style chicken wings. But the local community took some educating. So when I say I'm Lao, they
5: don't know who I am. They don't know where I come from. I pull out the debt You know, Thailand, Vietnam, here I am,
2: Lao, you know. And I hate that. It's no small feat to bring Laos to Morganton. The population here is about 70% white, and only about 2% of people have Asian heritage. Most of the Asians in and around Morganton are Hmong, not Buddhist Lao like Thun. The Papai Boons are one of about 40 Lao loom, or Buddhist, families in the area. They are a minority within a minority, which can be difficult. Dara says most Morganton residents approached Lao food with skepticism. Before they don't have no clue. They don't
5: have no, they're afraid to eat Lao food or Thai food because they think it was spicy. So by intuitive to them, I just, you know, little bit, a little bit, and then, I would say that a lot of people know about Lao now more than before. That was the
6: first place I had pho and I enjoyed it so much and I would go once a week and the next thing I was going two times a week because I, I thought I've got to help keep this restaurant going. That's Pam Roats, who was born and raised here in Morganton. And the next thing I started meeting the fam- uh, Mimi, the waitress, um, who would wait on me and uh, they started knowing, getting to know me and knew I was going to order faux And uh, the next thing I was meeting Dara and, and that's, I, that's where I went uh, looking
2: for faux and found a family. Pam is now so close with the Papai Boons that she traveled to Laos with them last summer. But she knows that, to some degree, she's an outlier in this part of North Carolina. She remembers growing up here what the attitude about Asian immigrants was. Back uh, in uh, when I was in high school, the
6: late, late 70s, 78, 79, we started seeing an influx of the Hmong community. Well, this, the sad part of the things that I remember was "Don't let your dog out." And that's the sad part because that was um, the only perspective that this community had, because probably no one had never been to a, to an Asian country, was they believed everybody ate their pets.
2: That pets to us, but food to them. The papai boons have had to correct these kinds of misunderstandings, too. Like many Lao in the area. Air works at a factory where she is one of the only people from her country. She remembers one particular day when a co-worker came up to her.
4: I walk around, you know, because I do the inspect. So one day the lady, like, asking me, oh, Air, you have a pretty necklace. And I said, yes, thank you, I said. And then she asked me, what is it? I said, Buddha, oh, stay away from me, you are evil. Evil, because she was wearing a
2: Buddha necklace.
4: I said, please. And then I come here to work. I didn't come here for about religion. I yeah. told her, if you don't like, don't say a word. I told her. And then she's mad at me, I don't care. I believe who I am.
2: And religion has also proved an important part of Ayr's life here in the US. As Air, Dara, Toon, and others are navigating the hard work of playing de facto ambassadors for their country. They've needed a place to provide comfort and spiritual sustenance in rituals both familiar and
0: reinvented. Coming up, the temple they built to provide that, translating the food of Laotian Buddhist religious practices in North Carolina, and a threat to the temple's future. That's ahead. So we often tell you about the good work of the Southern Foodways Alliance. The SFA's newest oral history project is called Bluegrass and Birria and it documents Mexican food in Kentucky. The latest film, Peregrine Farm, profiles North Carolina farmers Alex and Betsy Hitt. And this podcast's sister publication, also called Gravy, publishes original writing that merited our joint James Beard Award for Publication of the Year. The SFA shares a lot of our work freely. You can access films, oral histories, event lectures, and written resources online. But if you want a print subscription to Gravy, that award-winning quarterly, You need to be an SFA member. And along with the subscription, annual membership brings a host of other benefits. They're all listed at southernfoodways.org. We invite you to become a member and join us at the welcome table. And now back to Katie Kloon in North Carolina.
2: Temples in Laos define neighborhoods and they are at the center of family traditions and daily rituals. The Lao and Morganton had altars in their homes, but as the community grew, they wanted to build a place to gather and honor their faith together.
1: We are in a Sim. No? This is a Sim. This is a Salarong where people gather to worship,
2: if you will. And there's a uh, a big stupa in the middle. That's Toon, who's here helping to translate for her stepfather, Kamsi Bunkang Sluangkat. The stupa she mentions is at the front of the room. It's a large gold Buddha, maybe five feet tall, and it sits on top of a stepped altar. The altar gleams gold and orange, and there are layers of fresh flowers, candles, and sparkling green imitation Bodhi trees. This worship space is, in fact, a carport with red aluminum siding on the outside. But on the inside, it's completely transformed. There are soft carpets on the floor, and offerings line the walls. We have um,
1: the biggest uh, Buddha stupa in, in around. round. That's one of the major attractions of the temple. And also the temple is set up on, on the hill in the Burke County area. It's beautiful.
2: Toon's family, led by her stepfather Kamsi, helped establish Wat Lao Sayapoom in 2003 in a rental home. A couple of years later, with community donations, they bought land 13 miles outside of downtown Morganton for this temple. A double-wide trailer and a carport are not exactly the traditional settings for a temple back in Laos.
1: The space to me means, you know, it might look different, the arrangement might be different and all that, but the idea is still the same which is the place of, a place of gathering, a place of worship. We come to the temple to pay respect, to, to honor, to ask for blessing, and it's the same concept whether you're in Laos or not. Once you get to the temple, the practice is the same.
2: The same, but of course different. For one, this temple only has one monk. Temples in Laos have many. You see novices in bright orange robes studying outside or taking care of the grounds. As Toon likes to say, in Laos, communities serve the temple. Here, the temple is serving the community. And so traditions at Wat Lao Sayapum sometimes have to be bent. In Laos, in the early morning, temple drums cut through the quiet dawn, beating to signal the start of takbat. That's when the faithful gather their silver offering bowls, temple sashes, and foods, which always include the Laos staple, sticky rice. Khao Niao. They sit in the streets and wait for monks to accept their alms. Takbat can also refer to donations offered at the temple. That's Nubat Siluangkat, Thun's mother. Thun helps translate for us. Takbat in Laos, unless there's an event,
1: it's on the street, the monks would walk to different areas of the street to, to go to <laughs> <laughs> And only when there's event at the temple where they would stay at the temple and then the takbat happened there. Then here
2: you can't do that because if you walk the street, nobody's going to be there. <laughs> Tunes always love this tradition, especially the part where you get treats back from the monks at the temple.
1: That's what I like. You can get the little debt bag, treat bags, candies, cookies, pastry, homemade pastry. Usually there's a lot of homemade pastry. I always remember that when there's a test coming up, I would go and do the takbat, ask for blessing. <laughs> That's what I remember as a child. Every time, you know, we always know that if there's a Thakbat going on that you see your classmate, that means that there's a test coming up, so we go and wish for, wish for luck. <laughs> but in Laos, it's seven o'clock in the morning, Takbat is very early in the morning.
2: The Lao and Morganton have had to make some adjustments. At Wat Lao Sayapum, the Buddhist calendar is swapped for the American work week. Temple ceremonies typically happen at 10 a.m. and always on the weekend. And without the early dawn ritual of monks walking the streets, Toon's parents rotate with two other families to deliver home-cooked meals to the temple's monks. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, the monks prepare their own meals. Here's Toon's stepfather, Kamsi. In
1: Laos, monks would never have to cook for themselves because Again, the community comes to the temple. The temple doesn't go to the community.
2: Before offerings are given during Buddhist temple ceremonies, worshippers chant with the monks. In Laos, the melodic voices of many monks, from very young novices to venerated elders, drown out the community's chanting. In Morganton, the effect is just the opposite. There is sometimes just one monk, so older men assist with leading the ceremony. At Wat Lao Sayapum, if there's one thing that is exactly the same as in Laos, it's the food. Giving is central to Buddhism, and food is central to giving. So by cooking, sharing, and eating, Lao tend to the very heart of their spiritual identity.
1: Food is a big part because you, you share you share dishes. You're not only you share dishes, but you share recipe, and you try to make the same thing and see who's better. So there's even a little competition, friendly competition going on. It's a padlock.
2: From bamboo shoot soup to deep fried fish, pickled mustard, beef stew, and tomato chutney. Larger temple gatherings are like a giant community buffet. And everyone cooks, even Dara, who is usually working at Asian Fusion Kitchen. I think last New Year, I make them pho.
5: You know, the whole pho bra with the big, a lot, and they just take it over there, and then we make some sticky rice. And then some khatom, you know, the sweet rice with the banana rib.
2: At Wat Lao Sayapum, through the course of Pimai, smaller ceremonies, and midweek visits, I began to understand how cooking and sharing traditional foods is an essential medium of Lao devotion. For the Papai Boons and other Lao Buddhists in Morganton, the transition from offering a dish to the altar to serving the family table is seamless, and both firm up a feeling of being at home in North Carolina. Toon says it's made all the difference to her mother, Nubat. If somebody
1: asked her, do you miss Laos at all? She said, no, I have the temple here. Temples. We' the same my country. Oh, yeah.
2: But now the community is grappling with another challenge how to get the temple up to code
1: many chefs in the kitchen when they, when they build this place yeah. they build a little bit by little bit and the people that make it little bit saying that oh this one you don't need the permission, you don't need the permit or anything. Uh, it's right here, this can be gone anytime because they could just say, you know, it will never pass the code.
2: This fall, I tagged along on a trip to a prospective new property. A small African-American Pentecostal church had just come on the market, and the temple leadership wanted to take a look. A new space like this could solve the problem with their building. But it's not just the space that's precarious. Toon says the members of this community who were born in the U.S., have less of a connection to this place.
1: i like for the temple to to be more expansive to the younger generation because we can't rely on the older generation too much because, you know, there will be time when they, they can't do what they do now. So we need to come in and... Uh, take charge and learn the ropes a little bit so that we can continue the, the tradition for the community I think it's a, it's a beautiful part of the community and uh, we need to continue And um, if that means holding the version of Bible study or little course about Buddha, a language course or something where it will draw in the, the younger crowd and then that's what we, I think the management team needs to look
2: at With each year, the barriers between Morganton's peoples grow smaller and smaller. At last New Year's festival, even I noticed the bigger crowd and its more diverse faces. I met two older white men who were gamely asking their Lao friends what foods were for sale. Someone was teaching them a trick to learn to use chopsticks. Curious, I introduced myself. Both men were Vietnam vets. New neighbors and coworkers had invited them to this P Mai celebration to teach them a little about Laos. Some 40 years after the Vietnam conflict, which resulted in the Papai Boon's displacement, and the very war these vets served in, food offered a common ground.
0: Katie Clune is a multimedia producer and digital editor based in Durham, North Carolina. You can find pictures of the temple, the papai boons, and of Katie reporting in Laos. That's on our website, southernfoodways.org slash gravy. music for this episode was by Blue Dot Sessions, Paddington Bear, and that last song, the one that's playing right now, is a Laotian one, Dara recommended to us. Our theme music is by Wendell Patrick, donor music is by Jazar, thanks to Sarah Camp Milam and to Gravy's intern, Dana Bialik. Coming up, a taste of the next episode of Gravy, but first... The Southern Foodways Alliance staff will soon be hitting the road to Birmingham, Alabama. There, on February 20th, we're gonna host Food Media South. The event explores storytelling in the digital age. and It offers programming for content creators across a variety of media platforms. Our featured presenters include Brett Anderson, who's a columnist for the New Orleans Times-Picayune, Ann Pittman, executive food editor at Cooking Light, Maggie White, who is the editor-in-chief of The Local Palette, and Nicole Taylor, a multimedia storyteller and author of the Up South Cookbook. There are still a limited number of tickets at southernfoodways.org, where you'll also find a full schedule of events. I will be there too. We hope you'll join us. Coming up on the next episode of Gravy the food that has inspired a statewide obsession in Arkansas.
5: Cheese dip even predates nachos, and people are, oh, nachos are so cool, but nachos even here weren't a thing until the late 60s or early 70s where they first started getting on the menus here. Cheese dip's been around so much longer than that.
0: That's next time. You're listening to Gravy. I'm Tina Antolini for the Southern Foodways Alliance. And as you go about your daily life, please remember, make cornbread not war